Well, good morning. Welcome to our continuing Bible study in the book of Luke. We're in chapter 23 today. And we've been uh, kind of looking at the events leading up to the crucifixion. <clears throat> and last time that we met, uh, the message was entitled Release, or it was Barabbas, son, son of the Father. Release Barabbas. And the Son of the Father being released and the Son of the Father being uh, condemned so uh, <clears throat> no accident there <clears throat> and and we've been trying to bring a kind of a personal application to the things that we uh, find that the Lord went through on behalf of his people so that we look at them as those things he suffered as in our place and that and today is uh, no exception and <clears throat> so we're going to read uh in this uh, section from Luke uh, 23:18 down through uh, 25 <clears throat> and they they cried out all at once saying away with this man and release unto us Barabbas who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison Pilate therefore willing to release Jesus spake again to them but they cried saying crucify him crucify him and he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired but he delivered Jesus to their will. And so as we look at this, we're going to kind of explore some things that that Luke didn't quite, uh, for for his purposes, didn't include in in the uh, this particular portion. And and <clears throat> uh, remember when we were in uh, Luke 23, chapter 11. Uh, and he was Jesus was uh, turned over to Herod because uh, Pilate found out that Herod was in in town and for the Passover and he says oh he's a Galilean so we'll just send him over that way and let Herod deal with him and and Herod and his folks mocked Jesus and and uh, abused him and then he didn't do anything. Uh, magical for Herod to view so they send him back to Pilate and in Luke 23:11 Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a, a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate and and so uh, these events are are covered in Luke 23 John 19 Matthew 27 and Mark 15 and uh, what we have is among them is written for us the final insults and mocking and afflictions that were poured out on our Lord prior to being led away to the place of crucifixion and and I just want to read those because uh, parts of them are covered in, in Luke and parts are not uh, in Matthew 27 verse 26 then released he Barabbas unto them and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered 
unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put on his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. In Mark's account in chapter 15, uh, verse 15, So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, or the place of judgment, and they called together the whole band and they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his about his head and began to salute him hail king of the jews and they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees worshiped him and when they had mocked him they they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him you know, he said all this was going to happen. He told his disciples, we re, if you remember back to our lesson from chapter 18 of, of Luke, he told his disciples in verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 32, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. So, so this was not by surprise. This was not, uh, not something that he didn't know about, and it's something that he he wrote about thousands of years before. You know, all of this, and one of the things that we want to emphasize here is all these things he endured in the place of his people, in the place of his elect. All this he had power to end. But he was committed to the will of the Father to accomplish the atonement for those whom God had given him to redeem from every kindred, every nation and tongue, and from every time, past, present, and future. He, he, and he caused every suffering and humility that he endured to be written beforehand. And he was silent through the whole ordeal. Uh, in we go back to the Old Testament and we look at uh, from even from the book of Mo, the laws of Moses where the, he, should, he had to be lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness and in Isaiah uh, chapter 50 some particularly detailed account uh, given to us in verse 5 and 5 through 7 the Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. He's describing the this coming to Jerusalem, this final time, for the faith that awaited him that, uh, as we were talking about this morning, the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. In verse 6, he says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. 
and just maybe underline the gave part here it was a he willingly let that occur the lord god almighty had power to stop that if he would have if that would have been his intention or his aim uh, and it declares that the only way that this was permitted was by divine allowance and purpose he wrote about it because it was in order to satisfy the righteousness and justice of God he and he took those things in our place he suffered these abuses for us in our place he said for the Lord God will help me therefore shall I not be confounded therefore because of these things I've set my face like a flint I know that I shall not be ashamed I'll not be He's not going to embarrass himself. He's not going to. He's not going to cower under the beatings and the spitting and the hair plucking and the smacking on the head and the blindfolding and smacking him and saying prophecy to us and and under all that abuse, he's not going to say uh, give up. He he is going to continue on and accomplish the redemption of the people that the Lord gave him, that the Father gave him. He declared absolutely that this was going to happen to him as it was written. Every single thing that he caused to be written was carried out exactly as he purposed it to, to, to satisfy the, the God Almighty. He, de he declared it. Every stroke of the scourging whip and that, you know, you've all probably heard this a million times. Uh, you know, this lash that was it was made out of several lashes with a handle. And, and the, the Romans were uh, pretty ingenious on making it inflict the maximum amount of pain. They would put little bits of, weave little bits of bone into or in metal into the lashes so that they would inflict the maximum damage and and the the Jews had a custom or their law was uh, from Deuteronomy was that you couldn't give anybody more than 40 lashes that was the maximum punishment that was allowed under Jewish law and Paul said five times I got 40 lashes save one five times that happened to him can you imagine what a terrible condition that left him. Every one of those times those things cut into you right to the bone, you know, and and inflict damage. It's just un, unbelievable. But uh, So these lashes that they inflicted on Jesus uh, would leave a terrible wound and his body would have been covered with bloody lacerations from top to bottom and, and many, it's written that many didn't survive the scourging that sometimes that was enough to cause death and but not for Jesus <clears throat> they stripped him they scourged him and it's it's interesting we go back to Isaiah again and and, and I don't know how many times we always go back to Isaiah 53 <clears throat> and this is going to become important here as we go through later part of this lesson here. But in Isaiah 53, the opening words of that chapter are 
or who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, that tells you who the letter is, that part is written to. It's written to the church. It's written to the belief, the people that believe the report. It's written to the people that, the, that it's been revealed to. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's who it's written to. And so as we get into uh, verse 5 of that chapter, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. This is the, And this is talking about the part before he was crucified. Certainly he was wounded on the cross, but he was wounded severely long before that he was attached to that cross. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. And this stripes are talking about every mark that one of those lashes made on him and not to mention the the marks that might have been left by whacking him in the head with a reed. I mean, that was probably a pretty good... A reed was pretty substantial whip and... Uh, and and then the crown of thorns that they jammed down on his head that would have left marks and so they they did that to him and that was recorded in Isaiah as we just read and they stripped him and mockingly put on him a scarlet robe and boy you know I just brought to my mind Adam being stripped in the garden and then being clothed with the righteousness that God supplied uh, clothed by God through the sacrifice of an innocent. You know, and the soldiers, they meant that for mockery. They, they thought, oh, this will be funny. How little did they realize the truth of, of their actions? Uh, another case where the Lord uses even unbelievers to accomplish his purposes, and sometimes they do and say things that that demonstrate his gospel and they don't even know that they're doing it uh, and they have no idea of really uh, the context of what they're saying uh, you know this this crown of thorns takes us back to the garden again in Genesis 3 we have that declared to us the, where the curse of sin is pronounced and the victory over it is declared. In Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I'll greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. You know, Matthew, John, and Mark all include the placing of the crown of thorns on his head when they had platted a 
crown of thorns. They put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him. We, sometimes we're a place where Norm and I used to go have breakfast, and there was this guy that was a acquaintance with Norm's, and he always mocked him. He would come in and, and kneel down and and call him your worship and all this stuff that he should have been smacked for. <laughs> but Norm put up with it. But, but it was mockery. And that's what these soldiers did to Jesus. They bowed the knee to him because he was king of the Jews. And, and they clothed him in purple, which was the only reserved for royalty. And, and they plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And then Pilate, therefore, took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns in John, uh, this is John 19, 1 and 2, and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. So a crown of thorns that was meant for mockery to him who was king of the Jews, but in truth was the symbol of the curse being put on his head, bearing the curse in the the weight of that and uh, in Isaiah 53 again in verse 4 it says surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted every stroke of the lash every smiting with a reed was all uh, in reality being smitten of God uh, to pay for the atonement of and and that wouldn't be enough. It would ultimately require his death to satisfy totally the iniquity of all the people. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Those who have believed the report. Those to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed. Every single one whom the Father gave the Son to redeem. And that's why it says, and as Mike brought out in one of his uh, messages, there's in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1, there's therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation to those that are in Christ. And we go to Hebrews chapter 2 and it gives us some descriptions. <clears throat> but we see Jesus in chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He had to be reduced to the level that we are as humans to be able to accomplish this. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And we wanted to remember as we were looking at Isaiah, who is this, who is this written to? Here, every man does not mean the totality of the human race. <laughs> as we think about Jesus suffering all these lashes, as we, the crown of thorns, the smiting on the head, the the spitting and the hair beard pulling out and all these were done for the atonement of all those that the father gave him and not for 
not for the in, entire planet, not for everyone that was ever born. <clears throat> and and if you read the the context here in Hebrews chapter two on on down through verse thirteen, we we find the the context uh, does not support a a interpretation of this being uh, every man being the totality of the human race and. <clears throat> There's a good article on the back of your bulletin here on particular redemption. Very good. And quinky dink, I guess. <laughs> Written in, uh, what, 1646? Uh, when I was reading that, uh, or writing this stuff for this uh, lesson here, just imagine that that just imagine Jesus every time someone dies and ends up in hell saying, dang, that didn't work. I took that beating for that person for nothing. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Hebrews 2.10, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory and to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee and again I will put my trust in him and again behold I and the children which God hath given me that's pretty explicit that pretty much does away with the every man concept. It just means every man from every kindred, every tongue, every nation, every race that make up the ones that the Father gave the Son to redeem, the ones that are described in, in Revelation. Uh, <clears throat> and that Hebrews uh, 2.13 says, Behold, I and the children which God hath given me, he caused that to be written in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. That's where that quote comes from. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And Jesus makes reference to that himself in uh, his prayer in John 17, uh, particularly verse 9, where he says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Behold, I and the children whom thou hast given me. And so usually in Scripture, we've, the context absolutely has to be looked at in order to understand the scope of the statement. So just as we were in Hebrews there in chapter 2, we can't just take that one verse and saying that that uh, he should taste death for every man and apply that to universal salvation and and then it puts all the impetus on the man to accept or reject that through their own uh, their own ability which being dead in trespasses and sins they don't they don't possess as it, uh, this article brings out here uh, 
in on the back page and so you have to look at the context of a scripture i have a couple of examples here in uh, in luke chapter 2 verse 1 it came to pass in those days and this is regarding the time of the the jesus in bethlehem it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Well, I'm pretty sure he didn't tax the Chinese <laughs> or anybody from South America or North America or anybody north of Spain <laughs> or parts of France and England. That It only applied to the 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 landmass that the Romans had control over through military conquest. It only applied to just kind of a marginal area. They didn't even control anything uh, east of the Jordan River. The those folks over there gave them fits, and every time they went over there and tried to conquer that area, they got beat back soundly. <clears throat> so I'm pretty sure they didn't exact attacks from anybody in the Persian Empire. Uh, so it's plain that all the world only refers to the part of the world that was controlled by Rome. So there's a context is important. In Romans 3.19, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Well, here all the world means all the world. Everyone is, uh, all have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. So there's a, the context of that is clear. Means, all the world means all the world. In John chapter 12, and the scene here is, uh, the pa Passover is about to take place. It's, at the beginning of this chapter, it's like six days before the Passover feast. And Jesus is uh, coming to Jerusalem. He just got through raising Lazarus from the dead. And all the people were anxious to see him and, and to see Lazarus as well. And he comes into Jerusalem and they have what they call the triumphal entry where they're all singing hosannas to the king and laying down the palm branches and stuff for his entry. And the Pharisees and the elders and the chief priests, they all, they all looked at that. And, and it's, it's worth mentioning again that the Passover was one of the feasts that Jews, male Jews, were required to attend. It was the law. And so they all would come to Jerusalem for these three feasts. And this Passover being kind of the main one, there would be Jews there from all over the world. And as we reported from several sources, and and uh, particularly Josephus uh, remarked that when in 70 A.D. when the Romans besieged Jerusalem, there was like three million Jews in Jerusalem for the Passover. So there was a lot of people from all over the world that would uh, come to Jerusalem for these things. There was that Ethiopian eunuch that came there uh, for religious purposes. There were Greeks. There were 
people from the north. There were people, there were proselytes and Jews from all over the the the, the Asian Mediterranean area that came uh, to Jerusalem for that for that feast, and they are all pouring out to see Jesus. And the 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 Pharisees there in John twelve nineteen said. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive you how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. Because they saw there were Greeks, there was people from south. The, uh, the world is gone after him. And so the world... In this case, in the context of it, means that it, it had to do with the region of Jerusalem being filled with Jews and proselytes from, from all over the east just a few days before the Passover. Uh, and, but that was their word and that was their usage of it, but it didn't mean planet Earth. The world has gone after him. So, the the point being that redemption can't be reconciled to the whole world when it's recorded that he bare the sins of many, not all. If he bare the sins of all, then what are they being punished? Why why would they end up in hell? If he if he paid the ransom for them, then why would they why would they ultimately end up in that location, paying for their own? Hebrews uh, chapter nine verse twenty eight says, "So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many." And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And that's what it says in Isaiah chapter 53 again, verse 11. He shall see the travail of his souls and be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant, Jesus, justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. And, and many means a lot. Many is not an insignificant number because... In Revelation, it tells us that there is a, a multitude that no man can number. So, it doesn't mean all, but it means many. The The Old Testament says, hell, hell becomes enlarged to accommodate the, the transgressors there. Um, he, he shall justify many. And in Acts thirteen forty eight, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they heard the gospel, these Greeks and those from all over, it's like thousands of them, when they heard the gospel, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So that that implies that there were some that heard, but they didn't believe. But many that were ordained to a life 
of eternal life did believe. They were caused to believe. As it says in the Ephesians 1.19, we believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You don't come up with that on, on your own. It takes divine, almighty power to cause one to be born again and to believe. <clears throat> so as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, John 6.37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That's a specific group of folks. The ones that the Father gave the Son in eternity in the covenant of grace, all of those are going to come to him. And he said, no man comes to me except the Father which sent me draw him. But they're going to come. And all that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So the many, the all that the Father giveth me, are the ones for whom he bore their iniquities, the ones for whom he bore the stripes of scourging, and the ones for whom he would lay down his life a ransom for many. It's what it tells us, Matthew twenty twenty-eight. He would lay down his right life a ransom for many, not universal all. So that be the end of our lesson today and next time we'll be looking at the accusation in the going to the cross. So for in the meantime be free because he paid the price and set you free. <laughs>